Matthew 24 and Hebrews chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. If you're on the phone. It's not the same thing, but... Matthew 24, beginning with verse 3 through 5, and then 24. And as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Just let there be a pause there. In your study, the Bible speaks of us rightly dividing the word of truth. There were a lot of examples that followed, but he said, Be careful not to let anyone deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now just pause there for just a moment. This won't take long. Many will come and say that they are personally the Christ, and others' false teachers will come and say, that he is the Christ. They'll say, I am the Christ. But we are to compare the Jesus they're speaking about to the Jesus of the Bible. Not everyone that names his name knows who they're naming. They don't know the person. Verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. There you go. And when you see the word prophet, don't think of just the foretelling of, of future. It's the foretelling, the prophet can foretell the future, or the foretelling of God's word. There's going to arise in the last hour false prophets, those that minister supposedly in his name. And they'll show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect, which means the chosen ones. Now, of course, that culminates during the tribulation period but we all know that when God does a thing, there's often the thing happening before. Before there's the great deception, there's deception. And we're in that uh, birth pain right now. Hebrews chapter 5, one verse, verse 14, if you turn there. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, mark that in your Bible, even of those like you, through reason of use, have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When the Lord laid this subject on my heart for the coming year, not knowing how many Sundays we're going to have, or if He comes before we even get through with this series, I was telling you the imperatives for what is to come. You're going to need God confidence, not borrowed from somebody else, not someone else's cup splashing up on you, but your own God awareness, God commitment, God confidence. And this week I want to talk to you about something that's a little harder to teach but equally as important. And I want to speak to you about clarity and discernment. Clarity and discernment. You're going to have to know uh, based on exercising your senses, discerning through what is seen and what is unseen. You're going to have to learn to walk in the Spirit to be able to discern some of the tricks because the Bible says in this last hour, False ministers will be so articulate and uh, 
appealable to you. They'll connect. They'll have a, a, a supernatural influence. I didn't say divine. A supernatural influence that even the very elect can be deceived. I know men that started out with me when we were in ministry and they loved the Lord and loved His Word. And they're off the reservation today. They've digested doctrines of demons and they're, they're astray because they did not have discernment and they didn't have clarity. And so I want to preach to you on this subject and then you go work it out with God. Find a place and say, whatever you do, O oh Lord, give me wisdom, give me clarity and give me discernment at whatever cost so that we can not only do the things that please Him but avoid the things that were not planned for us. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that's mine. I truly know I'm the least of all saints. I, I, I know that I am. But I just offer myself to you this morning. And if you can use anyone, then I ask today that you would use me. And if I'm unusable, just speak in spite of me. Let, let your word go forth. Let this flock in Macon, Georgia, this little local church, be prepared, full of God, full of faith, and full of discernment. And I ask you for that, O oh Lord, that we could stand strong in a world that's coming apart. That we would be fearless and faithful for the glory of your Son, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Clarity and discernment. They're cousins, but they're not the same thing. I want to first talk to you this morning by God's grace on the subject of clarity, which means translucent, to be able to see clearly. My wife was tongue-in-cheek talking about me today, but some of those things are, are true. I've got some, I know you might find this very hard to believe, but I've got a couple of little idiosyncrasies, a couple of little, a couple of those little things that you know, it's like I think the world hasn't watched the video yet of how they're supposed to do, and they need to watch the video. So you'll know. But one of the things that I do, I digress, one of the things that is just, it like drives me, is anytime I get a car, whether it's new or used, the first thing I do is take scrubber to the windshield, and then I get alcohol and clean the windshield. Then I clean it again, and I put about four coats of Rain-X on it. One at a time, buff it off. One at a time, buff it off. One at a time, I mean, I get it covered. Then I got to go get new wipers. Do you really do that? First day. First day. First of all, because I can't see well. Secondly, when you do see well, and some of y'all's windshield look like you could grow turnip greens on it, <laughs> just run your fingers down it, drop seeds and sprout live, I mean, living food. You know your sandwich all on the inside. You go to wipe the defrost. And you act like it's no big deal. But when it's raining and it's country dark outside and your wiper's got pieces of rubber hanging off of them, you're scratching your window. You're, you might not see, if you haven't watched the video, you don't know this. Your odds are exponentially getting higher that you're going to hit. Oh, was that a deer? Yes, it was two of them. Yes. Because you don't see clearly. Now, I'm also a good hypocrite and a good Pharisee. I do not wear readers. I should have wore readers 13 years ago. 
And Kelly said, you're always walking around the house saying, I can't see. I, I, I can't see it. She goes, well, put on something. Well, I, you know, I need to be able to see. I got, so there's a contradiction there. But do, do you think you will have time when the devil's coming for you or your wife or your children to try to read the prescription then? Or do you need, you need Rain-X on your soul and clarity and get the stuff out of the way? Hey, I, I said it funny so I could say it serious. Being able to see is critical in this last hour. The prodigal, the Bible said he came to himself. He had a moment of clarity. We don't need to have moments of clarity. We need to have a continual clarity where we see what is going on around us. We see what is going on inside of us. And we don't have to start cleaning our soul to look. The trouble happens and we look because we can see. Clarity of soul. The Bible says in Luke 11 that the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is evil, then your body is also full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which be in you be not darkness. If your whole body is full of light or clarity, having no part dark, your whole life will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give you light. How does clarity come to the believers? John, is that just something you can go get a book, you know, don't, don't, don't hear a subject and go get a book on it. Sit and ask the Lord. Talk to him. So let, let's go through a couple of these. How does clarity come to the believer? How does some seem so settled and so sure and know that A connects to B and B connects to C and C to D? Well, because they can see. Well, how did that clarity of life come for them for priorities? How did that life, uh, that light, how did their soul fill up? Well, it happens automatically as you walk humbly and obediently with the Lord. The closer you walk to the Lord, the more humbly you walk before the Lord, and the more obedient you are to the Lord, light floods your soul. In Him is light, and there's no darkness. So it's not like you go up to a candy machine and put 25 cent worth of prayer in and get 25 cent worth of clarity and put it on you like that. If you walk in the light, as He is what? In the light. See, you share in that light. Humility, obedience to the Savior. It comes by knowing the truth, loving the truth, practicing the truth, and proclaiming the truth. I told you this last week. Knowing the truth, loving the truth, practicing the truth, and proclaiming the truth. Truth is light. Christ is truth. Christ is light. And when you live in the truth, not letting lies take root, and you cast down every vain thought that vaunts itself against the knowledge of God, it falls into that scripture that says, To him that hath more shall be given. And to him that hath not, even that shall be taken away. When God gives you light and you don't use it, the windshield of your soul gets dirty. And you're, you're not able to see. And, and see... You don't have an accident. You don't need the clean windshield until you have the accident. Really. And if I'm going to have an accident, it's going to be because of something else. I'm going to be able to see. Another way that clarity comes to the believer is singleness of eye and heart. One goal, one goal in life. Now, I know this might sound hallmark or cliche, but when you have a single purpose 
and you, you make your decisions based on does it fit the purpose. I want my life to bring the greatest measure of glory to God that I can. One goal, no compromise. Does this benefit my life bringing glory to God? Well, that sounds narrow. It's a narrow way, yes. Because broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many go in thereat. But narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Not just to be saved, but to life. I remember one time the Lord had put me in straits. Has he ever done that to you and just squeeze the options in? And out loud I said, it's just like you're not giving me any options. And I felt in my heart, it wasn't audible, I just felt in my heart, well, because if I gave them to you, you'd take them. I'm, you know, I don't know how the Lord deals with you, but I'm just simple, you know, cat, dog. Well, if I get... No, it was really quite funny. I tried it. You need to put that on YouTube. I mean, they'll pay you for it. You know, it's just good. Singleness of eye and heart. You can't add living for the glory of God with something like your dream. Or You can have dreams subject to living for the glory of God. Clarity comes to the person that's doing one thing and one thing well. Continued preeminence and centrality of the scripture in your personal life. You just don't get to wing it. I got a feel for life. I just, I just work, I got a feel for it. If it feels right, you're going to wind up in Guyana somewhere. Well, let's go by feelings. The centrality and the continuance of Scripture in your life brings clarity. I've got so many, I'm, I'm trying to hurry through this. Uh, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and walk in the fullness thereof. That's how clarity comes. If the Holy Spirit, okay, when you're born again, so the Holy Spirit's working with you before you're born again. He's bringing you to repentance. You come to repentance, and then a measure of the Holy Spirit is given to you that seals you until the day of redemption. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So did I receive the Holy Spirit when I believed? Yes, a measure of the Spirit. If a measure of the Spirit can seal you, what can the fullness of the Spirit do for you? Open your eyes. That's why Spirit-filled believers, and this is not trying to put a division in the church. It's already there. That's why people that are carnal look at people who are spiritual. And they go, I just, that's all that ain't necessary. And I just don't understand why you just can't be free in Jesus. And Well, they see what you don't see. Why'd you swerve there in the road? I just don't understand all that swerving. You didn't see the tree in the road? Mm-mm. Well, just because you can't see it don't mean I'm going to drive like I'm looking through your windshield. And spirit-filled believers, listen, see what other people don't see. They hear what other people don't hear. They know what other people don't know. That's why they live different than other people. Be filled with the Spirit. Well, I just don't believe that's for today. <laughs> people, that, that died with the apostles. The gifts died with the apostles. Well, they weren't the gifts of the apostles. But it's just not for today. Well, is Jesus Christ the same? Come on. And forever, okay. It, was he Savior? Is he Savior? Okay. Was he healer? Is he healer? See, I could go down the list. Was he prophet, priest, and king? Yes. Is he prophet, priest, and king? Yes. Was he the baptizing Holy Spirit? Yes. Is he? No, he don't do that no more. 
Do you see? And we've let other people steer us away from the very thing you need in this last hour. I don't need somebody telling me to how to have my best life now. I need a preacher to tell me how to have his life now. His life in me. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Holy, God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Why would Jesus say that? I'm, I'm just asking you. Why would He say that so that you would ask and Him say, no, I don't do that no more? See, we've been raised and we bought into, and these are good people, you know, mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa who love the Lord, but they missed it here. And for fear of... Uh, disrespecting them, we disrespect the Lord. This promise of the Holy Spirit, not the measure of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is unto you and to your children and your children's children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God shall call. I think we're scared. Because if a measure of the Spirit messed you up with your carnality and your sins, what would the fullness of the Holy Spirit do? Yeah, it'll tear your life up. Anyway, I'm just I'm gonna leave that. Y'all lost your joy. Some of you, I saw it <laughs> seeping out of you. Clarity. And finally, how does it happen in the life of the believer? If you eliminate spiritual and mental clutter. Now, you you don't think the devil would be smart enough to use all the different avenues of media just to clutter your mind? No, he he's not smart enough. To know that if you're distracted listening to one thing, you can't listen to God's voice. No, he, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't keep you to where you don't have five seconds to sit quietly without reaching for your phone. Now, you can get mad at me. Hey, you can get mad at me all you want to, but I'm accountable for your soul. And I'll tell you, and you can go laugh about me at lunch, and I want to look you in the eye and tell you I'm fine with that. Something's wrong when you can't go five seconds without looking at something. I'm sorry. Get mad, fall out, because the quietness of our soul, there, there's something to be said for that. Do I look on that? Absolutely. But it no, I know how the devil is. I'm not ignorant of his devices. And if something's always going in, that static and clutter, then if my house can fill up with clutter and my car can fill up with clutter, then my soul can fill up with clutter. Turn stuff off. Man, if you got to go get back on it to do things, wonderful. I'm not saying don't have it. But, you know, when, when you, when, I mean, literally, can't, if the moment you sit down, you have to scroll something. I'm preaching on clarity, and one of the reasons we're, we don't have it is we are bombarded with stimuli so much so that we couldn't hear the whisper of the Lord if it thundered. I love you. Now you can go back to regularly scheduled programming if you want to. Letter B. Clarity is essential for the thorough and accurate processing of life as it swirls around us. To know what is necessary. To know what is advantageous. Detrimental. What's a temptation or a test. Clarity gives you the ability to assess, assess accurately all that's going on. And see, our problem is we pray for clarity after we've made decisions. Instead of in the moment being good, having your faculties. Maybe you fall in this category. I have done it. I've repented of it. And I don't do it anymore. 
Anybody ever called you when you was asleep? Why do you lie? Why do you lie? Hey, man, I wake you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Why, why do you lie? Because we don't want them to think we're sleeping. Well, it's 6 in the morning. We ought to be sleeping. Stop lying. If somebody calls you, did I wake you? Absolutely. I was dead as a hammer. Just tell the truth. Because when you're sleepy, you can't process correctly. You'll mispronounce words or slur words or have two ideas. You see, and then when our mind is so full that we can't process clearly, it's kind of like being asleep. Now, as you get older, it's kind of funny. I need to turn down the music so I can see clearly where I'm going in the car. Now, they're not connected, but it helps me. And those of you that ain't old won't understand, but you, you will. Kelly will tell all the kids, I'll start getting like this. She goes, everybody be quiet till daddy gets out of traffic. I'm like, that's right. Yeah, when the check engine light comes on, baby, it gets fun. You need to know what's the difference between a test and a temptation. Clarity. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, hundred years ago, I had a big church call me uh, from uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, I'm going to date some of you. This is how far back it goes. Do you all remember the group Truth and Russ Lee? Okay, he was the youth pastor there, and they called me to interview. Now, you have to understand, I'd never been a youth pastor but over 15 people. I was a no one going nowhere, don't know how this happened. So it made me, when they called me to interview, I went, hmm, it's either God or the devil. One of the, it can't be both. So I, I flew up there, and long story short, you know, we interviewed, and they took me around this huge church and showed me where the offices would be, and I had two prayers. I wanted to, at that time, well, two desires. I wanted to provide a, a house for my wife. I wanted a home. Provide, I wanted to provide that. And further education. And when the deal was done, uh, they offered me double my salary, double, and give me the down payment on a house, and pay for my school through a doctorate. I was like, now here's how many of us do. Thank you, Jesus. Won't he do it? And you're happy and you just go through the door. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you because I've missed it just like I've hit it. But I had clarity because I was walking close to the master. I knew a change was coming. He'd already told me in my heart about to change something. So I did not go into it looking for promotion. I went into it looking for his perfect will. And so I met with him on our way out from the last meeting, going to the, to the airport terminal. I remember it like yesterday. And you know, at the front of the airport, before you get inside where they check the bags, I walked through the terminal and I turned and said, this is the most peace I've felt since we got here. I said, then you know what the answer is. I said, yep, no. So as soon, the, as, soon as I walked in the door at home, I wanted to do it from home because that same room I prayed in. I know that's silly, but... I wanted to do it from right there. And I said, hey, I, I just want to thank you for the interview, but um, I, 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 just, I, I just don't feel that this is the Lord's plan. And you know that man cut me off and hung up on me? He said, well, I guess we don't have nothing else to talk about. Ting. Now, for you younger people, you don't understand what being hung up on means. It's not a disconnect sound. It's like a house collapsed in your phone when they slam it down. 
When life happens around you and life decisions happen to you, you make a wrong mistake on who to marry, where to work, where to live. You pay for it for years and years and years. But because God gave me clarity, an ignorant young boy with clarity is better than a fool with a, a wise man with a dirty windshield. You need clarity of mind to know the difference between a test and a, and a temptation or a trial. Clarity is essential as it pertains to who we are in Christ. You need to not only know who you are in Him, your access to Him, your security in Him, His power in you. You need to be clear on your privilege in Christ, your responsibility in Christ, and your opportunities in Christ. Don't be fuzzy about who Jesus is. Lord, King, Owner. See, you're not just serving him because you chose him. He bought you. And I'm clear that I am just a servant. I'm just a steward of life. I'm a steward of this precious woman and my babies. I'm a steward. I don't own anything. And if I'm clear on that, I make decisions based on that clarity. Clarity about how God deals with us as sons. Think about this. When you're clear about his relationship with you, not just as owner, but as a father... How he's going to instruct me and bless me, excuse me, and nurture me and discipline me and chastise me. I got one for you too here. You don't believe it because some of us haven't studied the scriptures or we just let it go by us. He will purge you and scourge. You know what purge means? You remember when your parents, well, young people under 25 just looked the other way. Permission to get on your phone. You... Do you remember when your parents would say, go get me something to beat you with? <laughs> they don't believe. You tell kids that today and see that, that's a quandary. You come back with something too big, you die. <laughs> you come back with something too little, they go pick. And God help you if you come back with something green. Oh, oh. I remember my mama whipped me one time. Oh, she ain't here. Oh, glory. I can tell y'all. Oh, she's watching, though. Uh, uh, love you, Mama. Uh, my mama whipped me with Hot Wheel track one time. And the bottom of the Hot Wheel track got them ridges in it. And if you slow motion, okay, so it wrap around your leg, and it goes, and it take about three seconds, and you get a little tremor going, and then you just run. I mean, I, she whipped, man, whoo, I saw dead relatives one time. She was whipping me so hard. I was like, Uncle Earl. Earl uh, uh, like. <laughs> now, you know when I'm telling you something funny, I'm about to hit you with something, right? You know that. There's a method to the madness. And see, some of y'all still don't get it, and you're blaming the devil for things God is doing. You don't think God won't purge your life? You don't think, devil cost me my job. God said, make it hard for them. Purge them. Discipline them. Your own restriction from joy and peace. Your own restriction. Because you won't mind and you won't obey my voice. And you keep compromising and you keep doing these things. And I, if I can't ask it out of you, I'll purge it out of you. And because you're not clear about that, we believe our earthly parents will discipline us because they love us. But we don't think God will. You need clarity about that. God's belt reach around the corner. That's why David said, 
Listen, let this get in your soul here. It was good for me that I was afflicted. What do you mean? And we, we get afflicted and we find two or three Christians to pray with us. I'm just, help me agree to get the devil out. The devil's not in the room. Only God saying, you're my boy. I look at Lance, my buddy, and others of us who are papas. When you say, you know, to our children, like, not on my shift. You won't be rotten on my shift. I'm going to parent you. And we think God's just going to look the other way. And I just want you happy. Are you happy? Well, of course God wants us happy, but his goal is not happiness. It's holiness. And some of us have blamed the devil. I just feel this in my heart for 20 years. And it's God saying, I'm the one trying to purge that thing out of you. And I'll outlive you. That's good, John. Clarity concerning our adversary and the supernatural beings that oppose us. Through distraction, temptation, deception, discouragement, anxiety, despair, and in the end being devoured. Lauren was talking about this today. We have an adversary who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Oh, no, the devil can't devour me. I'm, I'm blood-bought. I'm... Live long enough and watch how many people name his name and they get consumed by the enemy. He said, devil, heard one preacher say, the devil can't touch me. Uh, Jesus pulled his teeth 2,000 years ago at Calvary. And everybody, ooh, jumping around. The next preacher got up behind him and said, well, not to have no teeth. He sure is gumming a lot of folks to death. I'm not fearful of him. I hope some of y'all see this thread. I'm not fearful of the enemy or principalities or powers or spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, but I am consciously clear concerning them. And I understand your tactics, and you're trying to get me to doubt God, and you're trying to get me to blame God, and you're trying to get me to turn away from God. You thought my windshield was dirty, but I see what you're doing. You see? I see what you're doing. You ever, saw, you ever said that in a relationship? I see what you're doing. For those of us, you know, played sports and football, when a good coach figures out the game plan of the other team, they call it halftime adjustments. And a good coach will come out in the second half, and you always hear the losers talking about, we were, we were, we were up 17 points. And your coach come in and goes, good job. And the next one goes, sit down. And they make adjustments. Who was it, Ray Lewis, that everybody has a plan till you get hit in the mouth? Did you know a Christian who walks in the Spirit and has clarity can make adjustments on the fly? So that wasn't the Lord. I ain't got to ask you to pray with me because I prayed before I got here. And that's not the Lord. And you have that clarity of mind to know what temptation is. You know what a trial is. You know what a test is. You know what a pruning is. You know the Lord prunes you. See, we think when we have a little bit of fruitfulness show up in our life. So the sap of Christ is running through. And we have little, little blossoms of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness. And a little bit of self-control. And we get our little, you know, just a little bitty bud. And it turns into just a little piece of fruit. We think the Lord's going to build a shrine around it. And have angels, you know, swirl around it. You're great, John. You are great. God's lucky to have you. <laughs> You're amazing. The husbandman, the, 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 the gardener, comes over and goes, hmm, 
Excuse me. See, when I came to have clarity about this, life made sense to me. You're not trying to save the little fruit on my vine. You want to cultivate my life in such a way that it will produce more fruit and then abundant fruit. I almost preached a sermon one time. I was so angry. Man, I, I, don't, I don't get angry like this often. I'm, uh, you don't know what I'm capable of when I get like that. But I was angry, and I, was, I wasn't going to tell the Lord I was angry because I'm no fool. I'm not, people say, well, the Lord can take it. Just because he can take it don't mean you ought to say it. You better back up and come again. That's the Lord you're dealing with. But I was just going to indirectly tell him. So I was going to preach a sermon called Sap Squirting Stumps. <laughs> I'm serious. I typed it out where he just hacks the limbs of your life off and prunes the beauty back and cuts away that which brings you joy. And you're just sitting there like... <laughs> for his glory, you know. <laughs> why, why do you tell us that? So to let you know you're not alone. So what do I do? When I see it in the scripture, I either bow my knee to it or I turn away and said, I'm not doing that. And then the, 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 the veil, the mist, the fog starts to settle on the window and you can't see. Clarity comes when you bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, if you want to cut that away, you cut it away. You want to cut that person away, you cut that person away. Because I am living my life for the glory of the King. Now, this isn't a shout, run the aisle message, but this is a message that if you take it to heart, it will change the trajectory of your life and cause you to avoid and miss landmines and icebergs along the way. I knew a woman one time that had a, I won't say best friend, but one of her best friends. And um, she noticed that when she hung around this woman, this woman loved the Lord. She was a good Christian, didn't, you know, party. Those, just as a good Christian, didn't go out and do carnal things. But she noticed that when she hung around her, this woman talked about her husband in a way that made her view her husband that way. She had clarity. She realized that my friend is indirectly causing me to despise my husband. She took her to lunch and sat down and said, told her the story and said, and I'm not mad at you. And I'm not judging you. You and me have been friends a long time. But I can't do that to my husband. And me and you just can't hang out anymore. Oh, that's not necessary. No, that's moving the car and not hitting the tree and having children grow up without parents because that relationship, she had clarity concerning it. And God will give you that when you see, see when you have priorities, the husband and wife, the, the parents and the children, that, that's priority over anyone and anything else. Number two, very quickly, discernment. The difference between clarity, and by the way, number two is not near as long as number one, so we'll be good. Oh, may I back up and just give you letter E? It's very quick. Clarity concerning where we on, are on the prophetic timeline and scriptures. Don't fall into this trap of people that mock the rapture of the church, those that are confused 
and they say that the rapture, the theology of the rapture of the church started with a man named Darty. No, the Apostle Paul believed in it, and it's continued ever since. And you need to understand that nothing has to happen for the rapture of the church to take place. Now, many things in the Great Tribulation have to be set up before they can be implemented. Just, I'm going to give you one. You can't offer a sacrifice in the temple of Jerusalem until the temple's built. Okay? You can't. But the, the, the temple doesn't have to be built for Jesus to come back for his church. All that's going to happen in that period. But when you see the world, everything coming together towards a one world government, that's all you hear. We need, we need a leader. We need a savior. A one world leader. A one world currency. We're already into the blockchain. It's coming. Just don't. It's not conspiracy theory. I'm so tired of hearing that in a negative tone. If you have any intelligence or common sense, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm called that all the time because I can see. So we owe $100 trillion, and when I tell you that our system's bankrupt, I'm a conspiracy theorist. It's like you have in your business. Say, what would you bring in last year? We brought in $300,000. How much you spend? Oh, about $200 trillion. I'm like, you're in trouble. When you see these things lining up, the one world religion, right now relativism has set the stage for that. Where you have your truth, you have your truth. And the Antichrist is going to come in, geopolitical figure, going to come in and ride that wave. We're all one person, we're all one person. And in the middle of the tribulation, he's going to change and say, no, I'm God. And all of it's lining up. So you have to have clarity. And if I know the end is close, it makes it easier to live a life of self-denial. Well, didn't all the people that come before you thought it was close? Yes, and it was. And what did they lose for living soberly and righteously and godly in this present world? Nothing. Nothing. It's not a roulette wheel where you say, now, it happened right now. I'm ready for the return of the Lord. I see it on the horizon. And the news just confirms it over and over. Okay, number two, discernment. So, Pastor John, you said we need clarity and discernment. What's the difference? Clarity lets you see clearly what is in front of you. Discernment lets you know, gives you the information of that which is outside your scope of natural deduction and reasoning. The discerning of spirits is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can have clarity, you can have discernment, and then there's the discerning of spirits, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he will. And the discerning of spirits means you know the origin of a thing. You know where the origin of that person, that teaching, that church, that religion. You can trace it back to divine or not divine. See, and in this last day, the, the test is going to be in false prophets, false preachers, false Christ, false religions. They're going to have supernatural, supernatural influence and anointing, but it won't be divine. And you need to ask yourself, not is that amazing, but is that Jesus? Is that, is that the Lord I know? Does it feel right? outside? Now, I can discern. Here's what false discernment looks like. Somebody trying to play uh, spiritual, spirituality in the church. You're in a small church, got 100 people, and a lady pulls up in a Vega. And uh, got nine kids in the Vega. They're in the back, in the middle, they're in the floorboard, they're hanging out. They unpack, and this lady sees her get out of the car. 
And she comes in and she comes down front and she goes, I, I perceive a spirit of poverty. And she, the lady's like, yes, yes, yes. No, you saw her get out of the vega. And her kids haven't been bathed and they don't have clothes. That's not discernment. Discernment means I don't have to have any information or stimuli and I know that that is not God. That's not the Lord. Now, when you exercise that discernment, you don't get to be the judge of other men's hearts and motives. It's for you. You've got to go call everybody out and call everybody down and vaunt yourself above everyone. No, it's for you. I was sitting on a stage one time, uh, uh, Valdosta, Georgia, and never happened before, never happened since. And back then, everybody sat on stage. Important people sat on stage, you understand. That's why we don't sit on stage. Uh, and I was sitting up there, and the pastor was beside me, and everybody's coat and tie. So, you know, everybody's dresses. I know y'all can't believe that, but they did. They dressed up. They bathed. They, everybody came ready. And so everybody looked the same. It wasn't like, you, you know, the guy come down the aisle in a Led Zeppelin shirt, and you go, that's the evil one. You know, it wasn't like that, you know. Everybody looked the same. And I'm sitting next to the pastor, and he just goes, you see any devils in my church? And I didn't even think about it. I just went, second row. No offense, Mike. That's where, that's where. <laughs> it was. It was right there. I said, uh, but I didn't point. I said, uh, second row, a man and his wife. And they were happy. And she was in the aisle laughing. He goes, just stared. I said, was I right? So nobody can hear us on the stage before church starts commotion going on he said last night she slapped my wife in the face now watch he said this is when we went to lunch later but you know we'll talk about it later he said how'd you know i said i don't know just felt it just now i'm not gonna go and put her face on the billboard or the no, the, the cardboard thing in the foyer or on facebook and say watch out for her i just know and you're going to need to know that in this last day because the devil strategically, knowing what you missed from your childhood, what you had, what you didn't have, he's going to bring people your way with temporary solutions and you're going to need to know the origin of that person. The origin. Well, how could they bring good to bring evil? That's called a spy. And you, you think men know how to do a long con and the devil doesn't? Now, this don't happen much, and I, I, I hesitated saying it because I know how y'all do. Y'all will rib me about it and tease me about it, but the Lord will judge you. That's good. It's okay. I'm not. And it don't happen much anymore because I've done got old and gained a little weight, and you know. Uh, but used to, before COVID and everything, everybody just, especially in Pentecost churches, just hugged. Everybody just hugged all the time. Short people hugged you. Tall people hugged you. Pretty people hug you, ugly people. Everybody hugged you. Everybody. And this one lady who fell kind of towards the attractive, not real attractive, but she hugged me and it gave me a, she didn't do anything wrong. I just, mm, I just had one of those. So next time I saw her and I didn't tell anybody, she'd come down, hey, you want a hug? And I went, like that. 
I remember like yesterday, and you think I'm trying to be funny, and I'm not. I'm, God, I want to just thank you for clarity of mind and heart and how you protect me, because I'm not smart. I'm not smart. And I stuck my hand out, and she goes, what is that? And I said, permanent. That's what I told her. She goes, now, I am not bad-mouthing her. I'm not. That woman been married five times, and three of the divorces were because of cheating on the husband. Uh, just a sweet sister. What'd she do wrong? Nothing. Well, so somebody could say, well, why would you, why would you? Because I sensed something. Now, don't make it mystical. And God's not going to give it to you so you can lord over somebody else's life. Okay? You don't maneuver and manipulate. But we need that. We need to know. We need to know when, when we encounter these people, places. Think. I got time for one story from the Bible. So the Apostle Paul is preaching. Book of Acts 16. And he's preaching in, in, in all the streets and towns. And a woman who was a sorceress, uh, uh, she was a medium, if you will. Now, Paul didn't know her, didn't know where she was from, didn't know she was a medium. She did not dress wrong, speak wrong, or act wrong. She acted like everybody else. And in the middle of Paul preaching the gospel and healing people, she said, listen to these men. They preach unto you the way of salvation. Sounds like a pretty good testimony to me. An accurate description. And they, she did that for a while. Going to another place. Somebody's blind eyes are open. He's preaching the gospel. And she goes, because see, she's known in that region. Paul didn't know her, but the devil and her knew Paul. And she knew that if she were able to associate herself with him, when they left, she could bring back those converts under demonic power. Listen to these men. They preach unto you the way of salvation, the way of Christ. Listen to them. And the Bible said that Paul spun around on his heels and rebuked her and cast the devil out of her. If I'd have done that publicly to somebody, you know what a bunch of people in, in church would do? They'd have wrote me and come up. What did she do wrong? All she did was said that you're preaching about Jesus and I don't know who you think you are. And they would be wrong. What I'm saying is, you're not always going to have an indicator or a sign or an attitude or an action, but you need to know what is God and what's not God. And that way, when Paul cast the devil out of her, the people that owned her, oh, that's right, they farmed her out and made money. They pimped her gift, probably her body as well. She said, dead people don't talk to me no more. <laughs> Paul set her free. How did he know? He'd tell you, I don't know. He just knew. Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your coming? Deception is going to be rampant. I, I worry for some of you. Because, not because you're not hungry, but because you are. And you may be eating things from ministers who are not godly, whose doctrine is the doctrine of demons who have an anointing, but not from above. And here, well, Pastor John, how do I know? How do I know? Because the one that preaches under the anointing of Jesus Christ 
brings everything under the subjection of God's word and will. And the other caters to your desires and wants. Eventually, it'll cater to your desire. If our musician would come, please. To know the source of a thing. Discernment is to know the power of a thing. To see that which is veiled and unspoken. In the days to come, it will be sadfully and painfully obvious for those that have discernment and clarity and those who don't. The Bible said that in the great day of deception, there's, there's a satanic deception and a God deception. Let me draw a distinction there. That even the very elect will be deceived. The very elect could be deceived, I should say. Satanic deception is an alternate Jesus, a substitute Jesus. Pay careful attention here. A diluted Jesus, a polluted Jesus, a mixture Jesus. But the Bible also speaks of God causing delusion. He said, and this is very heavy, but you need to hear this. Because they love not the truth, God sent them strong delusion that they might believe a lie. So how do I know we're right at the end? And I'm not being funny. We don't know the difference between a boy and a girl. We are so contradictory, insane, immoral, delusional. We, we, we build wooden barricades around turtle eggs and murder children by the millions. And we can't see that great deception already having birth pains now. There's a deception by Satan and by when God says, you want to be unrighteous, be unrighteous still. You want to be blind, be blind still. You want to be rebellious, be rebellious still. For us, I need to see, watch, I'm going to bring this all together. I need to see clearly. I need to see him clearly. I need to see me clearly and make the appropriate adjustments. There it is for you. If I can see the world, I can navigate life as it swirls around me. Mark, should we take this next job? And not, should we buy this moment? And, and everybody's got an opinion. You go, you know what, baby, we just need to wait. We just need, that's all I got. We need to wait. And then I can make those decisions. Then when I see God in his glory, in his holiness, in his strength and in his judgment, and I fear him, then I see myself, and when my right eye offends me, I pluck it out. And when my right hand offends me, I cut it off. And I make the necessary adjustments so that I'm not deceived. Our stump may be squirting, but we're not deceived. Clarity and discernment. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not. It's a very small thing, but I bet I've done this. Well, if you do 200 times a year times almost 30 years, you know, a, long, a bunch. When you call and you say, hey, Pastor John, can I talk to you just a second? Or if you stop me in the foyer, can I talk to you just a second? Every time under my breath, I say, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me, give me your discernment. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Why? 
because anything else can harm you. You don't need my opinion. You, you, don't need, to, you need to know what's not seen. You need, you need to know, and I've been able to tell people. I've been able to share with them. And you have that. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So walk in the light. Keep your windshield clean. Have discernment. And if you have discernment, you don't have to have all the answers. I didn't know all that about that woman. I just knew we wasn't hugging. That's all I need to know. Thank you, Lord. And you don't believe God's active in your life. Go to your 20-year reunion. Anybody did that? Go to your reunion, that girl you didn't think you could live without, or that man, and you see him, you go, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. <laughs> Hey, I want you to know something. I've got just two minutes here. This part of my job with you, I take very, very, very seriously. I struggle like you do. But if we can see, don't we have a leg up on the game? Don't we? If we can see, if we know, and, and we, we ain't got to be able to explain it all. Just, I just don't need to go there. I just, I, I just don't need to have that friendship. I, just, I don't need to see their news feed. I just, I just don't. I just you ain't got to explain it to anybody. Let it be between you and the Lord and operate in it. And you'll notice how you start to miss stuff. Won't God take care of you? Doesn't he see perfectly? You're going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And then you'll say, we wanted to go into to Europe, but the Holy Spirit checked us for some reason. Every time we tried to go, we, we couldn't go. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just... It's almost like he knows everything. Would you stand with me this morning? Chris, are you here? Come on, buddy. Dismiss the service. The Bible says that God will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him it's time to be filled and to let him anoint our eyes that we might see and have clarity and discernment so that nothing can deceive us come on amen aren't you glad that you have a God that can direct your path even when you're going through some hard times. I'm telling you, that's the, what this, this whole thing is about, is that if you have clarity on Christ and your eyes are on him, then your path is going to be where he wants you to be. I'm telling you, I, I, I have one little story I'm going to share, and then I'll say a prayer. But when, when I was younger, we used to go off-roading. I don't know if y'all know whether it's four-wheel driving, right? And I learned really quickly that if I stared at the road, I would get stuck. I'd hit ruts, you know what I mean? Because I'd see them and it's just like I'd get drawn to them. But if I kept my eyes forward and focused on where I was needing to go, most of the time I'd keep going. I'm telling you, keep your eyes on the Lord. Watch what happens. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just want to come to you to thank you for this wonderful service, Lord. You know what we need to hear. And I'm so thankful that you love me enough to let me hear it. Lord God, I pray that you help us to take this seed, Lord God, this word, and let it be planted deep in our hearts, Lord, so that the roots can grab 
And when we need this word, Lord God, it is there. It's ready. It's, it's dug in. Lord God, I ask you to help us take this out today. Let us share it with others so that they too can hear your wonderful message. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.